Welcome to the Words That Change Lives podcast, helping leaders, coaches, and small business owners to 10 times the impact of their message. Join us as we delve into the art of powerful language, enabling you to speak with unwavering honesty, communicate authentically, and create a lasting impression with every word. Why do we find having honest conversations so hard? Well, some of us do and some of us don't. Some of us find it easier than others. It's certainly something that I have struggled with all my life and have definitely gotten better at in recent years. But it's really something that if we can master, if we can master having direct words, then we can actually have direct wins. And this is what this Soundbite podcast episode is all about. It's about how we can use our words to get what we want in a way that makes us feel confident and so that everybody wins. And if you've listened to the first episode of this podcast, you would have heard a a little bit of my story in relation to this subject in terms of where this comes from for me and why I find these things hard Um, and what I've been doing to work on it. But this particular episode, I'm actually going to explore this in a bit more detail. And I'm going to share with you some strategies that have really helped me, that have helped my corporate clients and my consumer clients to be able to have those honest conversations and get win-win collaborative outcomes. And I think it's really important because it's really a mindset to be able to get into in the first place to be able to have these conversations. And when I talk about this, I mean one-on-one conversations or conversations with a group of people, whether that be in a meeting at work or maybe you're presenting an idea. But it's in those one-on-one conversations or, or a dynamic between two people where, in my experience, I have found it has been particularly tricky. And this applies in all areas of our lives. It could be with partners, family members, peers, colleagues, bosses. And what I've found is that actually it is different dependent on who you are talking to in terms of how you feel. If I could just get you to think about maybe the conversations you haven't had, whether that be in a personal relationship or in your life, in your work, where if you had had the conversation, there would be a different result. You might feel better. You might get a different outcome. You might get a better result for yourself, for your team, for others, for your business, if you just had that conversation. And that's what I want to dive into here. I really want to help you with that if this is something that you do find hard. And I know that a lot of us do. I know that uh, different groups of people find this hard, different personality types find this particularly hard. And I am one of those personality types that find that hard. And in my work within the corporate world, I use the Hogan personality assessment to do deep dive coaching with leaders. And on one of those assessments, it's called the dark side. And the dark side looks at those career derailers, the things that can continue to trip you up. That could be a strength when used in peak, but when you are triggered or stressed or something bad happens or you get a curveball, it can be overused. It can be an overused strength. It can actually go against you. And one of mine is dutiful. So when the uh, the proverbial hits the fan, I go into a default mode of wanting to defer, 
wanting to put other sneeze before mine, putting others' opinions before mine and putting more weight on other people's opinions. Now, this has been hard in the corporate world where, you know, you might have a hierarchical structure where you find it difficult to do that to a boss or a senior stakeholder. Or in your business, you might find that difficult with a particular client or uh, you might find it difficult in your personal life where you have a dynamic with uh, someone in a personal relationship where you might go into that default mode. This is something that is part of my personality. It's something that I'm very conscious of now and that I have consciously worked on and have improved on significantly in the last few years, which is why I wanted to dedicate a podcast episode to this, because I know there are people out there that feel the same. So I want to kind of go through this in this episode and first of all, share the kind of mindset strategies or things to think about in order to get into the position to feel worthy of having those conversations, of feeling strong and confident, to have your voice, to speak your mind. And then I'm going to go into the different strategies that I use and that I help my clients use, mainly in the corporate world, to actually put ideas forward and have those types of conversations. I'm going to talk about creating a climate for these conversations and making it okay to have these conversations on both sides. And then what to actually do to make it better, what to actually say, how to approach things. So that's what I'm going to talk about today. And I'm going to I'm going to end with thinking, you know, what, what's it going to look like for you and how you can actually uh, take this into your life and do something about it. So first of all, let's look at the mindset. And I really do feel like this is kind of 80 percent of what we need to look at when we want to have direct words and honest conversations. Because believing that you are worthy of your voice is the first thing to work on. If you don't feel worthy, then you're less likely to speak up. You're less likely to put ideas forward. You're less likely to confront a difficult thing uh, and more likely to avoid uh, dealing with that type of thing. And therefore your voice goes unheard. Your ideas don't get put forward. You might feel resentful. You might feel unsatisfied and you don't get the result you want. So the first thing that I want to introduce you to is something that I worked on when I was doing my executive coaching qualification with the ILM. And it's called the OK Corral. And this is from the modality of transactional analysis. This is something that I studied when I was doing my exec coaching qualification. And transactional anal analysis looks at ego states. So parent, adult, child, and that we want to strengthen adult-adult connections and adult-adult relationships. But a lot of the time we might slip into parent or we might slip into child in our conversations. And we do this subconsciously and we don't necessarily know we're doing it, but it's not healthy for adult-adult interactions. So we always want to be aiming for that adult-adult connection. And in order to do that, it's about understanding that you are okay. So the OK Corral looks at this. It says that we can go into an interaction and adult adult means I'm OK and you are OK. So when we enter into any conversation, a meeting, a presentation, a you know one to one chat, that we come in with that mindset. I am OK. You are OK. Because when we're doing that, we're not putting ourselves in a one up or one down position. And I'm going to explain what those other positions are that we might naturally default into. Some people might put themselves in a one up position. I am OK and you are not. Now, these people have this type of personality. Well, just it's about self-preservation, right? It's about wanting to protect themselves. So they will put themselves subconsciously more, more often than not in a one up position. I am OK. You are not. 
What happens there though is it tends to move from being assertive to more aggressive because that person is protecting themselves and maybe attacking or putting another person down. And that's not healthy. We don't get the outcome we want when we do that, even though it's really, really, it's normal and natural to do that because it's just how we've learned how to deal with things. The other position is I'm not okay and you are. So this is my default in a lot of situations where I'll put myself in a one down position. I'm not okay, you are. The thing is, when we do that, we might uh, overly accommodate. We might not voice our opinion. We might fold or, um, you know, bend to somebody else's view before we want to, or even if we don't want to. And that can lead to inner resentment. That can lead to your voice not being heard or feeling unsatisfied and unfulfilled because you're not, you're putting yourself in a one down position. So, the other position is I'm not okay and you're not okay. And when we put ourselves in that position, we're hopeless and helpless. We avoid the situation and we don't do anything about it. So what we want to aim for is I'm okay, you are okay. We get on, we are assertive, we're not passive, we're not aggressive and we get on. Now, even just having this in my mind when I've gone into conversations, meetings where I might feel nervous or um, I might feel like I would naturally put myself one down, I can strengthen my mindset and say, I'm okay and you are okay. Even just talking to yourself in that way can be really helpful. Feeling worthy of your voice. Now, it's easier said than done because I know many times I found it difficult to put myself in the I'm okay position. And I want to share a few things that can actually affect that. Not staying in your lane can really affect that. And it's comparing yourself to others. So when you look left and right, if you imagine a lane on a motorway, right, you're driving down the motorway and you're looking in the left and right hand lane, you're in the middle lane, you're going to be distracted from your course, right? And that's exactly the same if you run your own business, if you're a leader in an organisation, if you're always looking at what other people are doing, what other people are saying, how other people are acting, then you're not focusing in on your lane and staying in your lane and focusing on your goals and what you want to achieve and not glancing constantly to one side or the other to see what someone else is doing can actually really, really help in building this strength and mindset of I'm okay because you're focusing on your goals. You're focusing on what you want to achieve and you're not being distracted by other people. Now, I know this is easier said than done. Social media means that we're always looking at what other people are doing. We're seeing their highlight reels. We're seeing their wins. We're not necessarily seeing the full 360 picture. And we're making judgments on ourselves based on that. You might find it in the workplace if you work within an office and you're seeing what other people are doing, what they're achieving, and you're using that as a judgment against yourself. My advice to you is to stay in your lane. Focus on what you want to achieve and try to keep those distractions to a minimum because you'll get to where you want to quicker by focusing on the things that are really important. And the other thing that I think is important to mention when we think about a mindset of having direct words for direct wins is that cheeky imposter, that cruel mistress imposter syndrome, which a lot of people argue, my client Tony Brooks argues that it's not a syndrome, we don't have a syndrome, it's a natural psychological defence mechanism that has evolved with us as human beings to keep us safe. It's really our subconscious trying to keep us safe from danger, but it's really unhelpful in a modern world when we're trying to run a business, we're trying to lead within an organisation and 
we keep doubting ourselves. Now, I know that you probably will have experienced this at one time or another. I still get this. It's not something that, you know, just goes away. It, it will always rear its head at some point. But it's about understanding and having compassion that it's really your protector. It's really your subconscious trying to protect you. You can have compassion for that part of yourself. But remember who you are. Remember your greatness. And a way to help with this is by, you know, really seeking evidence and feedback, but also knowing yourself, your values, what your strengths are, what you stand for and staying in your lane when it comes to actually speaking up. I know that this isn't a quick fix. It's something that a lot of people experience, but quietening that imposter by remembering your greatness can really help in paving the way for you to speak up. Now, the other thing we need to think about when we're thinking about honest conversations, direct words for direct wins, is the dynamic between the person and yourself, because that will be different depending on who you're talking to, depending on the type of relationship you have with them. And I'll give an example of this. Now, I haven't always been a timid mouse, (laughs) even though I've definitely got more confident over the years. There was a time when I was incredibly shy and wouldn't say boo to a goose. Many people described me as Helen, who doesn't say boo to a goose. However, when it came to being disgruntled about something to do with a company or um, a company not handling something very well, I had no problem with voicing my opinion. And that was because of the relationship dynamic with that particular person, that particular customer service agent within an organisation. There was a certain amount of control. There was a certain amount of feeling of of worthiness and values in entering that conversation. And so I've never had a problem with raising concerns or voicing opinions with organisations or companies that I am a customer of. However, when it comes to personal relationships, that's something that I have really, really struggled with. Being able to speak up and say if I'm unhappy about something or I would like something to be better or getting a need met in the past, I found that really, really difficult because of the dynamic within the relationship. And now I've worked so much on that and I feel much more comfortable with it. And I know what I am and I'm not available for in relationships, for example, But it still needs to be taken into consideration who the person is you're speaking to. Are they a loved one? Are they a family member? Are they a peer, a colleague, a boss? Because when you think about that particular dynamic, it is important to consider what the approach is depending on who it is. And so a little bit of preparation is important. And in understanding, okay, I'm speaking to this particular person, I need to put in place this particular strategy. And I've done extensive work on this in the corporate world. I've been lucky enough to really develop uh, skills and strategies in helping leaders and employees to influence others. And this is something I've been doing for, gosh, coming up to four years now with certain organisations, developing strategies and delivering programmes and workshops on influencing skills. And influencing really is a fantastic way of building your confidence in having honest conversations, in putting your ideas forward, in influencing others of an outcome, whatever it might be. And there are many, many different ways that you can do this. There are many, many different influencing styles, but one that I have used extensively and I still continue to use in my personal and professional life is the push 
pull model. And I highly recommend you look it up because I'm not going in to go into full detail now about that particular model because there are lots of nuances and lots of specific influencing approaches you can use. But essentially, in summary, it categorizes energy into push energy, as in I influence you, you're influencing someone of a result that you want them to say yes to or no to or adhere to, whatever it might be. And pull energy, which is you are open to being influenced, but it's also an influencing strategy in itself to use pull. Because when we use pull, it's very, very different to when we use push. But we can use a combination of these different influencing styles to get the outcome we want with the particular person we're thinking of. So my advice is to, first of all, think about that person. Think about the relationship you have currently with that person and what you want to improve. And then think, do I need to influence that person by using a push or do I need to influence them using pull? And I'll just give a quick example of what push might be. So if you want to put a proposal forward at work and you really want to put your idea forward and you need to do it to a senior stakeholder and you need to do it to uh, your boss or someone like that, keeping information uh, high level, keeping it succinct, avoiding going into detail, avoiding going off on tangent, putting your idea forward and backing it up with a reason uh, and then inviting people to have further detail or inviting them to come in on the discussion and get their opinion after you've put forward your succinct high level idea and the reason you want to. That is a push approach. A pull approach is providing space for someone and asking them questions and hearing them out. Because what I have discovered in all of my years of helping people with this is that everybody just wants to be heard. And when we listen and really, truly provide space to listen to people, that is when walls come down, barriers come down and trust is created. And essentially a foundation of an honest, open conversation where two people are participating in an I'm OK, you're OK context has trust at its base. Another thing to think is, do I have trust with this person? If I don't have trust currently, what do I need to do to focus on building trust? What has happened for trust to break? And what do I need to do in order to build that again? And using a pull influencing style can do that. Being open, being honest, exploring someone's position, providing space for them to talk, hearing them out. All of these things can help people to feel heard themselves, understood and barriers come down. The other thing is creating a climate for this. Now, the work that I've done in quite a few organisations is around thinking, OK, do, so how do we create this into our culture? How do we create a culture where we can have honest conversations? And in Brené Brown's book, Daring to Lead, she talks about rumbles. And Daring to Lead is, is a really great book, uh, by the way, just, just to read, because it has so many strategies around this type of thing. And rumble language and rumble conversations are a huge part of that. And essentially, it's creating boundaries and values and, you know, an order of things to be able to create space for these types of conversations in a culture, whether that's in a small business, an organisation, when at home. So it's about saying it's okay to have these types of conversations. And the way that we do have these types of conversations is neutral, as neutral as possible. It comes from an I'm okay, you're okay viewpoint. And so therefore we can we can go to the difficult places. We can talk about the difficult things, knowing that we're both safe. 
And I think that's, you know, something that's really, really important. Now, of course, I'm not a relationship expert and I'm not talking about it in the nuances of, you know, personal conflict and things like that. But I do deal with conflict resolution in the workplace. And this type of setting is perfect for those types of conversations. I've done lots of conflict resolution between people in triangular meetings, providing a space where people can both feel that they can come to the table. And I myself have practiced this in my personal life, in uh, friendships, relationships and in the workplace as well. Of course, it's going to be a journey, not a destination. But trying these things out is really, really great because it builds on your confidence. So creating the climate is saying it's okay for us to do this and we allow this, but it has to be done in a certain way. We have to come at it from a respectful viewpoint where we honour and we allow people's views, but we have boundaries in place around them. So, you know, what does that look like? Well, taking into consideration I'm okay, you're okay is a really good foundation of that. Knowing what we are and aren't available for and what isn't isn't okay. Understanding that aggressive behaviour and aggressive language won't get us what we want. And, and also the passive behaviour and avoiding behaviour won't get us what we want. So how do we ask for what we want in a way that is confident and assertive and I'm okay, you're okay? Well, this is where these techniques, these push and pull techniques come in. And by understanding that and by working on these things and testing them out, then you can see the results that you get. And I've had so much evidence now where, you know, I may have had a conflict situation with someone and I've gone in and listened um, or I've explored their position. And then I've gone in with a push myself um, after I've uh, used a pull has really different results, have, has massive results. And of course, I still get it wrong sometimes. I'm only human and so are you. But if we can consciously apply these approaches, then we can get more of what we want. We can put our ideas forward. We can speak up in a way that is more neutral and assertive and has an adult, adult viewpoint to get a win-win outcome. Try it out and see. I'd love to hear how this resonates with you. Is this something that you feel that you want to consciously apply into some areas of your life? And if so, what are those? I'd really, really love to hear. You can share on social media with the hashtag words that change lives, or you can email me at hello at helenpackham.com and tell me, what does this sound like for you? What does this look like to you? What's your story with this? I'd love to hear, and maybe we can include it on future episodes. I want these types of conversations to be part of this podcast because I really feel it's the crux of words that change lives because if we can master having honest confident conversations with all of those that are important to us in work and life then we can really change lives for the better including our own and I look forward to seeing you next time for more words that change lives thanks for listening to words that change lives Please rate, review and follow on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It really means the world and helps me to reach more people so that we can all harness the power of our words and change lives for the better.